You're quite hostile. I got a right to be hostile, man. My people been persecuted. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're here uh, tonight with David Overbeck. Uh, David, uh, you're sort of the official front-running write-in candidate for mayor here in Wausau. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, why you decided to, to push this as far as you have? Well, you know, I've served on the city council for about six years. Well, six years. Um, and I've been involved with a lot of different committees and chaired uh, various committees. I've been involved as an architect in this area for 31 years, working with municipal governments. And that's something that I originally, I, I wanted to do six years on the council, and then I made a decision to run for mayor. And that started out with the, the initial uh, run through the primary. But then as we got through this process, um, I was approached by different people and they said they wanted a, a different option and they believed in what I was telling during the primary, but they felt I didn't get out and campaign enough. And I, I guess I agree with them. You know, I've got my practice that I was cleaning up some things on as far as projects. And this time around uh, as a write-in candidate, I've engaged the social media, I've engaged people, you know, getting out in the community and I've heard the same story again. We would like uh, an, another option, a professional option, to move forward with the mayor and looking forward to the next four years. Uh, where do we go? And I think I can offer that to the city of Wausau. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it, it surely is interesting because when uh, when the primaries happened, I, it was I I immediately thought, well, D David's the favorite because. Of, of everyone, you, you've been the only one who's ever managed people, sort of professionally. And I thought, well, everybody will see that. But, you know, apparently we went the other way. So let's, let's go back a little bit longer. So why did, you, uh, why did you run for city council initially? Well, in uh, 2009, um, we had kind of a slowdown with architecture and whatever. Uh, I went into my own practice as far as an architect, and that gave me an opportunity to schedule my time the way I wanted to. And I was uh, not intending on running, but I was approached and uh, stated that, well, why don't you run for District 9? And uh, I thought, you know, I'll think about this over Christmas, and then I, I did file my papers. And I, I've always been interested in government because um, I, since 2002, I've been on the Main Street Wausau Design Committee. Um, then I was on the Building Advisory Committee at the same time, the Historic Preservation Commission, and also the Zoning Board of Appeals. So I've been on those for 14 years. So that was kind of, I, I took it, and my slogan was at that time, uh, taking the next step in community service. And I think, still think, you know, I'm doing that next step now as, as running for mayor. Yeah. So it's been interesting. So have you enjoyed being on the council? I enjoy the council. I enjoy the diversity of ideas and the debate. I've always liked that as far as uh, bringing forth ideas. And I think when we debate, we, we actually create better. And I think that's very important because 
um, that's how my projects work. You know, we we put them out there. We start with a base idea, a preliminary design, and then we move forward. And that design evolves over a period of time to create a better solution, and then you finally build it. And I think that's very important. Yeah, it it is really it is fascinating. I I went to UW Milwaukee and. Uh, UW-Milwaukee, I think, is the architecture school in the UW system. So one of my college roommates was uh, an architecture major. And just sort of watching him learn how to look at the world was the the discipline and the sort of the different way to critically see the world was was fascinating. And as I was getting ready for this to, to talk to you, I, I kept coming back to how Jay looked at the world. And, and it, I went to college in the 90s and... Uh, they still had, I, I just remember he made uh, models out of foam core, foam core. Yeah, that's what you did at that time, or Strathmore was another one. Yeah, and uh, so. Very uh, solid white material. So. Right, and what was fascinating about it was the ability to hold it in your hand, hold it up in front of your face, and l- essentially look through the door, look through a doorway, and how your eye sees things, or how an architect sees the world differently than. I, as an English major, saw the world uh, because I never really considered, okay, what does it look like when I look through this doorway or what is what is the eye, what are these eye lines seeing and how does this all interact? And I thought it's a, it's a fascinating discipline to sort of have as you look at the world. Yeah, you know, and now we do it instead of building, you know, tedious models, what we do is we develop it in three dimensions on the computer, and it, it's given a whole new life to the way we look at things. And it, you can, you know, I've even heard about virtual buildings as far as you, you build it on, you know, you, well, I've done that with my clients. You know, you build the model and you take them through it, and they buy into it much easier than looking at, three, you know, two-dimensional drawings. Sure. And, even some residences like the apartments that we're talking about down by the, the river, um, they've done this in, in the Far East as far as they develop it, show the, what you'd see outside the window, and they sell them before they even are built because you can see what you're buying. Yeah. I, it, it's funny because uh, my former boss, and this is a complete sort of uh, off-kilter discussion, but I think it's fun, uh, and it's my podcast, so I pretty much get to do whatever I want. Um, he so he built his uh, retirement home up in uh, the Shaquamingan Forest, and so we have a house. I we have a house on a lake up there as well. And you know, sort of in t- unless you think about it, like actively and critically, for the most part, people just kind of point the houses where you where sort of tradition states or where everybody else's house points but he mm-hmm. built his house specifically pointed in a way that the large windows in his house act as passive solar and it and it sort of cockeyes his house away from the lake in a way that's really quite you know it's awkward to to sort of the traditional sense of how you place a house but then when he explained it to me i thought yep i would have never thought of that well it's all about you know reacting to the the actual conditions and i think that follows through with a, you know just the style of the way you look at things right you know as a designer no matter if you're an architect or a home designer or graphic designer it's how it's perceived and the depth of 
uh, I guess, investigation and knowledge you put into that project. And I, I think that's, again, you get a better resolution to the, the issue at hand. Yeah, so so let's let's get back to to some of the kind of nuts and bolts if we if we could. So All right. I don't I'm I'm a little bit more interested in the dysfunction of the city what I view as dysfunction of the city council as a whole over the last we'll say 10 years, but it has really sort of spiraled downward in the last 2 years. So what role do you think a mayor has in handling this dysfunction because and I'll and I'll preface it by telling you what I think I see. All right. So what I think I see and and I might not be right about this is a clear-cut line of conflict between the the professional staff in the city hall uh the the upper management folks the leaders and the council. And this has been exasperated by individuals on the city council have have sort of i'm going to assume annoyed the crap out of this the city's professional staff and as a result this dysfunction that did exist prior to this situation has only been uh exponentially increased so what role does a mayor have because i would i would say that our current mayor jim tipple has done little or nothing to deal with the dysfunction that's happened. So what role does, in, in general, what role does a mayor have in, in being a leader in that, in, in that sort of crisis situation? Well, I think a mayor has to facilitate the, the work of the city, and that means that you know, they need to get the information out to the council. They're the policymakers. They make the decisions. Um, what has to happen is the, well, the staff has to be allowed to tell you both the positives and negatives of a situation, the, the real, you know, facts, the objective knowledge that is objective facts, as well as, you know, sharing what they know and what their expertise is regarding that specific issue. And I think that hasn't been allowed and the council feels that you know you've got some very intelligent people on the council that are asking questions and the staff is rejecting that because i don't know if they're being told not to share that information but it's almost like it's it's a predetermined outcome when somebody walks into the chambers and i think for myself and and i hope that all the other candidates will as they move into these positions if they're elected um, think for themselves and really get, you know, spend the time to learn about the issues and then ask the staff and respectfully do that. And the mayor's role is to make sure that information is provided and that the staff is doing their jobs. We're paying, you know, over $100,000 for some of these people to do their jobs. And they are experts, but they have to be allowed to do their job. And I don't think restricting information to the council and seeing them as a kind of a necessary evil is the way the mayor should treat the council. And I, I feel like I've, that's what's been happening, is that they need to vote. They're going to push the information forward. You get kind of a filtered view of it. And then, you know, let's move on. Let's not stay on this issue. And when the debate occurs, that's seen as a negative. 
in reality, we've controlled costs in the city. We've looked at options on how we move forward. But, you know, sometimes the policies that the council set weren't carried out. Sure. And I think that's a big issue. And that's where you get conflict. You know, that people see the things that they voted on and and the, the information is not complete when it comes to the council. It's rushed uh, right into meetings from one meeting to another. It's pending. You know, that's not how this should all work. It should be a, a thoroughly planned out method of moving things forward. And to, when I see the council being blamed for things that they had no really responsibility for, that that really concerns me. And I think the mayor has to control that. And they, the staff meetings, you know, one of the things that I think should be done is the staff meetings should be either, you know, minutes be taken, council members, you know, attend them uh, once in a while. Maybe, you know, one council member should be attending one monthly staff meeting a, uh, a month, and then it switches over to another council member so that staff uh, relationship with the council members actually grows closer rather than farther apart. So there's a lot of things you can do to build a team. And, uh, you know, as an, again, as an architect, we were forced to do those meetings, monthly meetings, so the project develops. And I think the city could benefit from that type of, you know, facilitation. Yeah, I, I really, that that's great. I mean, that's a it's it's funny because that's not a particularly innovative idea. I mean, if you've worked on group no, projects or, or you know, sort of on a team, that sort of makes sense that all the stakeholders would somehow have transparent access to all the information. But maybe it is an innovative idea here in Wausau. Well, it's something that you know people learn if they're in any type of. Uh, System like I have to work with uh, structural engineers. I have to work with uh, mechanical, electrical, plumbing. And I have to make them see my vision, right? And then they contribute. But I, I expect them to come with all the problems and tell me that's not going to work. You know, you need to raise that six inches between floors, or you need to give me a bigger mechanical room. It doesn't work that way. But you know, that all means that costs are going to rise or, you know, things have to change, and it, it better be done on paper before it actually goes forward as a, a built project. And I think sometimes we rush things in the city, and not everything is thought out. Like, we were talking about the wall project uh, the other night in Planning Commission. I said, well, they're going to be forced to put their, their entrance on the south side of the building. So are we just going to put a sidewalk there? Well, this thing's already been built or um, not built, uh, already been bid. Well, you know, it would be nice to develop something where people could sit on the south side, um, walk from the parking spaces down to the riverfront, and it would give them a front door because we're trying to encourage alternate transportation, sure. walking, biking. You know, why aren't we incorporating more than just a, a small sidewalk you know, down to the river in front of their building. So they're looking at that, you know, and we need to be forthright in giving some of those ideas. And the city needs to accept some of those, you know, constructive criticisms. So um, there's different ways of doing things. Yeah, so so you, you brought up, you know, 
other forms of transportation, and I live in the village of Weston, and I am a public transit guy, and so I am, every time it comes up, I'm, I end up banging my head against tables and chairs and walls because it's it's shocking. So one of the things that uh, Eric and I like to talk about is is this idea of how we can, you know, become more of, less of a, a car culture and more of a, you know, walking or biking culture. So the, the city of Wausau, I'm good friends with Pat Peckham and, uh, and Mark Craig. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm most impressed with in town is sort of how the city of Wausau supports people who want to support bicycles. And, and the, the example that I give is the bike racks that are in the sidewalk in front of the glass hat, the bar right. over on third. And I think that that's, that is the, for me, that's the pinnacle of the city doing something great. Because I think the city put those in, you know. I think that because they don't really appear anywhere else, I think those are a unique feature to that bar. And, uh, and I think that, you know, like the, the contest that we had for the bike racks for downtown and, and sort of all of, you know, the, that stuff I think is all great. So how can our city become more sort of alternate means of transportation, uh, more supportive well, of that? Well, the first thing, when I came out of the council, I asked uh, the transit director about how we could get destinations or more destinations on the bus route because what I saw was they were going to specific, you know, hospitals, NTC, um, you know, more for the students and I saw the need to put, I guess, the the rim on the spokes. And I think we need to do that as far as providing ways where people can move both vertically and horizontally uh, as they move from different destinations. I think that's a real drawback. Like on the west side, I, I tried to find a way my son could get to NTC using the bus. Well, on the west side, west of the Wausau, he would have to go all the way downtown transfer and then come all the way back out NTC. Now, if he had the rim on it, he could go towards Wassa West and continue to NTC, you know, or come, you know, go across, come down and go across. But there's no system like that. Everything heads back to the downtown area. Bicycling, you know, I, I fought for Thomas Street to be a little bit better than what it is. Well, it's gotten better. We've saved money, but I wanted to see an eight-foot-wide sidewalk that bikes would be allowed on because we had some extra land that would link the trail and the bridge that goes out to Rib Mountain and then link down into our park system and Oak Island. And, you know, Bill Nagel was also talking about we need a bridge down there. And he's even, we've even talked in the park and rec about putting a, a bike or walking trail along the east edge of the river uh, south of the Thomas Street Bridge to get people off Grand Avenue. So we've got to come up with innovative ways to do this, but we also have to find the funding for it. And part of that is we can decrease our parking requirements downtown if people start, you know, can either ride the bus or have the bikes for transportation. And we start looking at this a different way of, you know, doing it in our, in our community. The one thing that's really interesting, I worked on the Rothschild Pavilion 
and did a whole bunch of research and design and analysis on that building. And the reason that building was constructed in 1912, or even before that, um, with a different building before it burnt down, but it was meant to give the Wassa trolley, or I don't know what they exactly called it, but for people to ride it on the weekend and increase the ridership to that location. They built that building so there would be dances and events to get the ridership they needed to make that a feasible system. So it's all about destinations. And I think if we can put the right destinations out there and work with the hills of Wassa, which a lot of people don't like riding bikes, you know, in certain areas, but if we can find ways to not allow four four lane, you know, thoroughfares to go through our city and a lot of traffic, and we can look at how we make it a smarter system, then I think we can start to get alternative transportation incorporated as one of the main, I guess, ways we can get people to different places and different destinations. Sure. I, I, uh, in my 20s, I lived in Weston, and I worked uh, at Scott Street Pub downtown. And for a while, I would ride my bike. And I was really proud of the fact that I figured out a way to get from my house on Ross Avenue in Weston all the way to Scott Street uh, without, and only having to be on Grand Avenue for, I think it was roughly three blocks. I was only on Grand Avenue for three blocks. And I... And, we, and this didn't include me riding over the hill by craft because I've never been in that kind of shape. So, you know, it just it was it was always fun to sort of go, OK, I can link these neighborhoods together. And, you know, it was essentially going down Ross Avenue, crossing the Schofield Dam, you know, going behind that area, then crossing over and going back by uh, behind Taco Bell in that neighborhood and then coming up by the airport and riding all the way through down to the hospital and then crossing by the hospital to the other side of Grand Avenue and riding down Prospect all the way to downtown. And I realized I'm off of Grand Avenue all but that one small three block section. And I, you know, and I was always, that always made it easier to ride because I've always thought riding one's bike on Grand Avenue is insane. It really just sort of, you know, and I, you know, but at the same time, people who live in bigger cities ride their bikes in much worse environments. So, so, uh, another thing just on trail sure. systems, you know, I'm an avid snowmobiler and okay. there's 800 miles of trails that are volunteer oriented that happen just in Northern County. But I actually, if there's the right snow, could wear, ride anywhere in the Midwest and yeah. all volunteers. And you imagine if we really put our, you know, these, well, if we really put our minds to it, what we can do, because this is just an awesome trail system that, you know, people work on. What if we did that for bicycles? Right. Like have done down south. Uh, there used to be a, I think there's a trail coming out of Atlanta that goes, I forgot when my brother mentioned it, but it's actually spawned uh, hotels and restaurants along that bike trail and people will go for days and if we can do things like that we've talked about Brokaw you know as far as a potential if we would have took over that we had the we were already talking about how we get a trail up there and then back down so people could actually stay in Brokaw and that would 
provide a, a natural environment and you know and develop something where you could come to central Wisconsin and ride some awesome terrain and along the river, you know, you start doing things like that, you can increase the tourism in this area and assist with people who want to live in in different places and use alternative transportation. Yeah. It's a great opportunity. I I was never a snowmobiler, but I've always found, uh, like when we were growing up, the people in our neighborhood had snowmobiles, and I always thought it was touring on snowmobiles seems like an amazing thing. And then once you sort of... Like, I remember seeing a documentary about somebody who rode from one side of Canada to the other. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, that sounds really cool. You know? Well, the, the terrain you see, the, the the landscape that you never have options on going on those people's land and right. they allow you to, some of the vistas are unbelievable. And you learn a lot about Wisconsin. I mean, it's it's a great opportunity for people to... To get out off that, you know, the regular path of highways and four-lane highways. So yeah, it's it seems it seems almost you know sort of this the larger touring of snow the touring idea always seemed like uh, kind of a modified wagon train, you know, yeah. from the old days. You know, just you feel like you're pioneering. Yeah, a new yeah, trail. right. You gotta you have to pack just in case you know something breaks down. You know. Because it's not always going to be bar to bar. Sometimes, you know, you're going to have to, to really travel. But I think that, yeah, that's a fascinating idea. So, okay. um, Eric and I are both pretty technology savvy guys. We both work in technology as, as our careers. And uh, I I wonder how, how you see the city of Wausau based on sort of modern technology? You know, how do, how do you think we fit? Well, do you know that about the concept of what's called smart cities? Yes. It's, it's several years old. I think it began probably in the, it, uh, so it around be, 2010, 2011. It began a little bit before that because I know because I was there. It, okay. uh, it came out of, uh, before that there was a, a movement called City 2.0 that, okay. the, that the mayor of Atlanta uh, created a work group around, and I, I know because I was part of the work group, and so okay. it was. It was you know sort of the things that you know did these these small things like, for example, putting the lawn on top of O'Hare Airport. Yeah, you know it's sort of these these ideas where it's like okay, look, let's just do these small things that you know like grass on top of buildings on, on roof spaces because of the environmental impact. With the science exists, let's just. Let's make a small investment and do these small things. But yes, let's go ahead. Let's talk about smart cities. But you know, the smart city involves uh, collecting data and using it to your benefit as far as how to address what probable things might happen. You know, it's a way of maintaining your city. It's a way of looking at cutting expenses or uh, but providing the same services. It's a way of working smarter. Um, I have a Bachelor of Environmental Design from the University of Minnesota with my architectural degree, and we were dealing with solar and geothermal and all of those types of things uh, when I was going to school, which was way ahead of its time. Uh, and that whole concept of you know dealing with energy, dealing with water, uh, knowing where your infrastructure is deteriorating and documenting it and knowing... Uh, what the issues are in planning for it is what makes smart, you know, cities smarter. And I, 
I think that's something WASA can do. You know, take, for example, the water leak that occurred uh, several years ago. Um, why didn't that show up as a, you know, a spike in that location? And w- if we were monitoring it and knew the exact, you know, amounts that were on a usual, you know, the, the usual usage, that should have immediately been looked at. Um, our streets, as far as, you know, life cycle, you know, we should always have that plan. We do that in buildings. You know, we know when the roof's going to, the warranty is going to expire. And I worked with the Postal Service, and they, they knew exactly, you know, they replaced it before it failed. They knew exactly what was happening. So I think all of that data collection and, and the way to, uh, I guess, address how you want to take on issues and the outcomes that you want to see, uh, that's part of being a smart city. And we've done some of that already with the assessment software that we're trying to get in place and that that can start to tell us where areas of the city are going down in value, where other areas of the city are going up in value, how many homes are sold, uh, what's the population, uh, there's a lot of data that we could start to bring out of that type of software that would assist us in, in identifying areas of the city that we want to address, you know, to improve. And that deals with, you know, demographics, uh, what's occurring, how many, how much transient population we have, what are areas that are stable, um, where the costs, you know, where people desire to live, why do they like to live there? So the being smarter about how we go about things is really important. That's all got to be done with, you know, collection of data and knowing how to analyze it. And, you know, there's corporate, there's different entities. IBM is one that's really pushing this because of their, the way they develop this uh, software and, and whatever. I don't know if we have to go that far or we just start slowly and start looking at what type of outcomes we want to accomplish within the city of Wausau in the next five to ten years. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, my mouth is on the floor because that's just the greatest thing I've heard in a year. So that's, I'm, I'm completely impressed by the idea of using, that you're, that you're talking about it because I don't hear anybody else talking about that and it's it's one of those, uh, before... Well, this is the architect coming out right. of you know. So, yeah, so, you know, but you know. before... A year ago, I spent 10 years working in public health, and, and one of the things that we did was we built our own electronic health record system. Oh, and yeah. so you spend a couple of years diving into this, and it's you come away with this idea that, oh, now I understand why these statistics are important. And yes, I get it. You, you don't want to fill out those forms at the doctor every time, but trust me, there's a reason that you fill out those forms. It helps, it helps somebody down the line. And I think that talking about that from the municipal point of view is is fascinating, and I think it's it's not done nearly enough. I don't think that, and I know that I could do it for hours. So I'm I'm grateful that that you brought it up because I think it is interesting, and and I also think it's a low cost, high return on investment idea of making our city or making a municipality data driven with with more sort of data and in, in data infrastructure to manage itself I think would be amazing. I also think that, you know, th- this goes back to the dysfunction, but I also think that this data being 
if it was transparent as well, then all of a sudden you you stop seeing the the this public these public narratives that are that are negative about city councils or you know then all of a sudden people can't kind of hide behind subcommittee meetings or committee meetings if things are transparent then all of a sudden we have we have an informed electorate in a way that they're engaged and they're part of the they can't say they're not part of the process where in a lot of ways today it's 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 not an unfair thing to say that the public is not part of the process well, and a lot of that is, you know, I've seen surveys, or I've I've sat through the the mall presentation, and it was more of a talking at the community yep. rather than an engaging uh, means. And now I I see Chris Shock has has started a a site where people can get input, but you know, it's got to be done in a way that people feel comfortable and it's almost fun to do. Right. To see, you know that you get whenever a survey is put out, and it and I've done this with clients when the the survey is put out. And you don't, you know, all the data is collected, and you don't get any feedback about what happened. That's a failure. So somehow you have to give information back to the people who participated, so they feel that they've been involved with that. And you got to ask them further questions to figure out, you know, you've got this data. It's a continual process. Right. And, and you and you and I have talked offline a little bit about how. Right. You know, social media has changed just literally how you've seen things in the last couple of months. And so uh, guys like me in the social media field always talk about how uh, you want to create brand ambassadors. That's one mm-hmm. of the things I talk to people all the time about is the reason that your company wants to be on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever is is not be, is because of transparency and all of that, but because you want to create brand ambassadors because, like you're saying with your community meetings, yes, you're talking to 10, 10 people, but each of those people talk to 300 people on Facebook and 200 people on Twitter, and all of a sudden, they've just spoken to, to 10,000 people. Yeah, it's and like if, fingers out into the community right. that just keep on growing, and it's like this spine, you know, like almost like a you see it moving right. throughout the community, and it's quite impressive. Right, and so... You, you watch people build their, you know, like I, I have some friends who own companies and or or just brands that I've been a fan of for since I was 18 years old. And if you follow me on Twitter, I'm annoyingly celebrating these these companies because I'm a brand ambassador for them because they've they've been great to me. And, and so I want to make sure that everybody knows how great they are. And as a result, you know, we push these these ideas forward. And so I think that the city... And this brings me to a question. So, how do how well do you think the city, as a municipal body, communicates to the public? I think it's very difficult because of the means they use, and you know they wanted a communications director, but I don't know if that was the true answer. You need somebody who's going to really engage people, and I think that can be done through your older persons and and mayor. I think you do need somebody, but you need to have them be very transparent. They need to um, well, accumulate data and and also distribute it and very transparently um, so everyone can trust that person. No matter what's out there, you want that person to be the most trusted person in Wausau because you have to believe in that information. And, you know, when you, I think that's, again, going back to the smart city, that communication is really important between anyone, the residents or visitors or anyone who would use our services. 
in the city as well as our surrounding communities uh, to be very transparent with them. We've got a 140,000 population in, in this Wausau metro area. That's a big advantage in the state of Wisconsin, and we don't take advantage of that. Um, so we, you know, everybody like Weston has their pluses. Uh, you know, the the Rib Mountain has their big boxes. Uh, we have the entertainment and office and and real, you know, we should be the high end type um, businesses and whatever that have niches, and we can't compete with the big boxes or the the strip malls or, or things like that. And we shouldn't try to do that. Um, it, it's. I even forgot it. the question we asked. I went off on us. That's okay. That's That's interesting. But uh, you know, the, the, it's it's just the way we communicate to each other. And I think when people are more transparent, things get done. Yeah, um, I I could I couldn't agree more. I think I've I've always thought that Wasa needed a communications staff because it's a big enough operation now that. Someone needs to do just basic media work for you because you guys, you know, you're all, you're all elected officials, but you're all, none of you are communications professionals. So as a result, you know, it's, yes, we have these neighbor to neighbor meetings or neighborhood meetings and things like that, but that doesn't get further than there. So nobody really understands except the seven people who show up or for all those years, Pat Peckham, who came to, who was the most informed member of the city, because he came to every committee meeting, as his, because it was his job. But oh yeah, you know he 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 had a unique perspective because he was in the room for all of it. You know, so when he and I would fight about things, and he'd say, "Well, this was at the meeting; people should know." And I'm like, "Well, you're the only one who went to that meeting." You know, and it does that that doesn't get covered anywhere. So. You know. Yeah, how hard is it to take a digital recorder and then put it as an MP3 and put it online? Stevens Point has an excellent website. Um, I, I worked with them on a project with a fire station down there, and uh, they have it all indexed. They have the attachments to the documents. So if you're interested in one specific issue, you don't have to go to all of it. Right. And you know it, they are very good at it. Um, and I, we're getting there, but public access, I mean, it, it's not of the quality that we should be at right now. And I think we can do more with our systems. The trouble is our CCI or our county city IT de- department is overloaded. And I think that's going to be a challenge in the future if we start working with, you know, smart, if we try to, to work with a smart city concept, I think we're going to have to look at how we do that in the future, and I think it will pay for itself. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, when when Dean Zuliger was in Weston, we built uh, we built their podcast program for them, so that all yeah. of their meetings, you know, are recorded, and then you know everybody is mic'd up at the meetings, and everything is recorded so that people can download the the Village of Weston meetings, the audio from them. And I always thought they could go further, but, you know, Dean left, so we I got what I could there. But, uh, you know, I, I, I agree. I think that, you know, building some transparency and, and advocating for transparency is is going to be an interesting position for the mayor going forward. So Now, so, now think about this as far as uh, what we're talking about, about smart cities and whatever, and that's how we're going to get the millennials here. 
you know, that's how we're going to get young people involved with our community. Oh, yeah. Is by taking this to the next level. And we've got both our assets of the river, skiing, all the recreation. But if we can put these types of jobs out there where we become a leader in developing and, and, and working within our city, I think this could take off and, and set an example for other cities how to work. I'd, I'd rather lead than follow. Sure. And I think that ha is the opportunity there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So I, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. I've been talking to you for 45 minutes. Um, okay. So if people wanted to, to get more information or get a hold of you, Dave, uh, David, how, how would they do that? Well, I do have a direct uh, email, which is Dave at oberbeckforwasa.com. The other way they can get it is on my, it's a similar type website, M, it's actually a mobile site, but uh, m.oberbeckforwasa.com. And that will also, you can click on the Facebook page and get onto my Facebook, where we've had lots of discussions uh, going on throughout this campaign with you know certain individuals and other people have found it and joined in and that has been very interesting for me as far as direct connections to people um, and I think that's something if I was mayor I think I would continue that and uh, work within that structure as far as uh, phone calls are tough this is easy sure I mean, to respond and I'm amazed at how many people are up at two o'clock in the morning yeah on, on projects so um, they're all out there so that's great all right well thanks so much for your time all right thank you if you have having girl problems i feel bad for you son i got 99 problems but a bitch ain't one hit me I got